0: Hello, I'm Stephen Groom. Welcome to Let God Speak. Most people want to live a successful life. But what does that mean in a fallen world? A big house? The latest car? A successful career? And does a Christian define success different from a non-Christian? Most would consider Joseph to have been successful as he went from prison to the palace and then second in charge of Egypt. But what about John the Baptist? He went from prison to the tomb, as have countless martyrs throughout history. This week, we're going to look at the idea of success in the context of basic stewardship and financial principles as gleaned from the Bible. Please join us for this important study. On our panel today, we have Harold Harker and Gail Fong. Welcome to our panel discussion. Great. Thank you. Before we start our discussion, let us bow in prayer. Dear Lord, please help us all to understand how to live a successful life according to your definition of success in light of eternity instead of what we might think about being successful in a worldly sense. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, I'd like to ask a question to you, Harold. Mm -hmm. Um, What exactly does it mean to plan for success as a Christian? I mean, a believer and a non-believer would have different ideas on this subject, wouldn't they?
1: Surely they would. You know, it's common for people to define success in terms of material things without considering the important intangible gifts such as health, Joy, strong social and family relationships and what all Christians should prioritise, a close relationship with God and that often costs temporal gain. Let me give you some examples. Job lost all his kids and all his possessions in one day. Uh, Joseph, from being a rich uh, son to a slave in Egypt, John the Baptist, he lost his life in prison. And then Daniel was tossed into a den of lions. But, you know, Jesus promises to give rewards when he comes. And while Christians look for material things, we need to prioritize on a relationship with God.
0: Thank you. So we can see that a Christian looks beyond the the success of this life to ultimate success for eternity, which is much more important for them, isn't it? That's right. Yes. And uh, Jesus gave us a a master plan of how to succeed in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, if you'd like to join us there, um, when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Mm. And so the, the kingdom of God mentioned here it, it is reference to the, the um, heavenly principles of the future coming kingdom that should be our priority over these things that Jesus mm. mentions. Gail, what exactly are these things that should not have priority over the kingdom of God principles that a Christian looks to have in their life?
2: Well, as we review this chapter in Matthew and starting in verse 19, uh, just reading a couple of verses there uh, from the words of Jesus, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So the focus, is definitely not to be on earthly treasures, but heavenly treasures. And then Jesus continues uh, from verse um, 25 onward. He's telling his disciples, he's saying, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about um, what you're going to drink, what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on your body, because he says then in verse 32, after all these things that Gentiles seek or those that don't know me, and um, he said, but rather focus on, on doing my will, focus on knowing me, focus on learning to trust me, focus your life on those things that will make for heaven. And so when we seek God, when we make the kingdom of heaven first and foremost in our thoughts and in our life, mm-hmm. God is going to take care of our, what we drink and what we eat and what we wear, those things he will provide But we seek him first and let him bless us. And
0: and God can bless us abundantly in these things. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we'll be uh, without these things, even though we don't seek after them. And so staying in in this same verse, Matthew chapter six and verse 33, the verse says, but seek first the kingdom of God, as opposed to seeking God second to anything else. So... um, In reference to our lifetime, um, Harold, when is the best time to surrender your life to God, to make Him your priority? Is it just before you die? Is that a good,
1: good counsel? Not according to the Bible. Seek Him first. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1 reads, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I've got no pleasure in them. Now, there is a uh, a Christian hymn. I want to quote a few lines from that. Here it is. Give of the strength of your youth. Give him first place in your heart. In your service for God, consecrate every part. Jesus has set the example. He gave himself for your ransom, gave up his glory above, laid down his life without murmur. Therefore, we should give God our loyal devotion. Give to God the best that you have. You know, in your youth, you have all those years. Why wait to the last? Give God first, as the verse says. Thank you. And that hymn was called, Give of Your Best Best to to the the
0: master." Master. Yes. And uh, thank you for that. Um, one ex- a- aspiring example in this respect of, of giving his life to God was Jacob in the, in the Bible, in the Old mm. Testament. And he initially gave some, uh, had some bad, made some bad choices in that he cheated his brother, Esau, his elder brother, of his inheritance. Um, but later, Jacob made some important vows to God. And what were they, Gail?
2: Well, turning to Genesis chapter 28 and just reading from verse 20 to 22 there, uh, the Bible says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's place house, I should say, in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And the place where Jacob was resting that night, um, he he called Bethel, which means house of, of God. And This is where Jacob made his promise. If God would do these things for him, if God would um, be with him wherever he goes, if he'd give him bread, if he would give him clothing to put on and enable him to come back to his father's house in peace. So he would build God a house, which he did at Bethel, and also that he would give a tithe a tenth of all the blessings, the increase that God would give to him.
0: Yes. Thank you for that. And so after making these spiritual and financial commitments to God, where did God lead Jacob as told in Genesis chapter 9, Harold? What was the benefits of his commitment?
1: Well, in this chapter 29, God providentially leads Jacob to a place where Rachel came with some flocks. And uh, Jacob ended up working 14 years for this lovely woman who he loved. But, you know, after seven, Laban, he cheated him and gave him another wife.
0: So he initially had to work seven years. Yes.
1: But then because he got the wrong wife, he had to work another seven. Yes. And he finished up 14 years. But he had the wife that God chose for him, too.
0: Yes. So Jacob made his spiritual and financial commitments to God before he looked for and found a life partner. How important is that for us to do the same, Gail?
2: Well, this reading from the writings of Paul in Second uh, Corinthians chapter six, and verse um, fourteen and fifteen, the Bible says, "Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial." Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? So they're very strong words there. It's very strong counsel. But when we follow Jacob's example, when we follow the examples that are in the scripture and the words of Christ, when we have a living relationship with Jesus, when God is foremost and center in our life, then everything will flow from that because what we do and how we spend our time and our our finances is all under God's instruction. So when God is first and then we couple that with this instruction here, as we seek someone that is traveling on that same path as us and who loves the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind, yeah. there's a blessing there yeah. because light and darkness just don't go together. But they, that is a, an avenue to lead you away from God.
0: That's true. And many do not realize how important it is to find a, a good um, life partner, isn't it? I mean, yes. it, it's so necessary to have... God in the work of finding your soulmate. Is that right? Amen. Mm. And so moving on from there, let's go back to right to the beginning Um, in Genesis chapter 2, when God had created the first pair on the earth, Adam and Eve, and he put them in the Garden of Eden and he gave them work to do. He gave them work to dress and keep the garden. What significance is there in the fact that even before the entrance of sin, God gave Adam and Eve work to do.
1: Well, they were in paradise. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no suffering. But God gave both Adam and his wife Eve work to do. It was designed for their good. Now, here's a quote I want to read. Adam was to care for the garden, and this included labor that would exercise the wonderful organs of the body. Had happiness consisted in doing nothing, man in his state of holy innocence would have been left unemployed. But he who created man knew what would be for his happiness, and no sooner had he created him than he gave him his appointed work.
0: Yes, thank you for that. And so man was designed to work as God created him, and and. When God created Adam and Eve and he gave him work to do in the garden, that was before the fall. However, after the fall of um, Adam and Eve into sin, when they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit they shouldn't have, um, were they still supposed to work as they had done before, Gail?
2: Well, yes, they were to continue to work, but their work was going to be different and it was going to be harder. And uh, just reading just this short phrase from Genesis three seventeen, the Bible says, Cursed is the ground for your sake in toil you shall eat of it. So they're now working under a curse that is even on the on, upon the earth for, for their sins. And also in Genesis three nineteen, 19, um, God continues with this curse and in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. So it was going to be much harder as they were going to um, continue to work. And as it says, for your sake. So um, this adds this burden of harder work, but what was necessary for salvation. And also I like that quote that uh, Harold read there, because this ex, this extra work and um, vigor that they were going to use in tilling the ground and growing vegetables would be a steadfast against disease and mm. also be great exercise. Yes. So it was a lot of character building as well. Thank you for that. The work. And
0: also um, because of sin, God added the vegetables that they had to plow the ground. And these vegetables would be harder to digest than fruit wouldn't it so that was the need for the Mm. extra um, extra labor and so now I come to a general question is how important is it to provide for our household as parents and especially by the man of the house who's rightly called the, the the main breadwinner Harold
1: well, let me give you an answer. Paul has that answer right in First Timothy chapter five and verse eight. Let me read it. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Provide for your family. That's got what God says here. Thank you. Yes. And so
0: coming to the modern. Uh, 21st century family what should be the goal of parents in bringing up children Gail I'm asking someone here who has successfully brought up children
2: well the goal of parents, I'm sure everyone wants to train up a child that they'll become independent, well-adjusted adults, not only for this life, but in preparation for the life to come. And perhaps just three points is the first one is providing a Christian home environment. And that actually begins with the, the parents. So when the parents have a living relationship with Jesus, when there is love expressed in the home through kindness, through sympathy. Through um, uh, just through genuine love, and when they see that you love Jesus, then when you sit down to have family worship and you are patient and you are uh, representing Christ in character, then they too will begin to love Jesus and he becomes their dearest and best friend. So family worship is the product of the atmosphere of the home to make it a happy place. And there from there, you can couple that with Sabbath school and church and having a spiritual family is such a wonderful blessing. Um, but there's a lot of onus on mm. the home. The home is the first place of learning and it's so important there because children, they have a, also teach them to have a willingness to work we want to teach them to be diligent and also that they can understand that they can be appreciated and valued so as they see that being replicated in in those that are examples in the home as um, we lead by example as parents, as we manage our home, as we manage the affairs of the house, then they too want to help. So we let them help. But we're teaching them self-control. We're teaching them to take part in the duties of the home. And this gives them a sense of satisfaction, appreciation. uh, And they're learning to be diligent. They're learning to be faithful. They're learning integrity at the workplace. And then, of course, education is so important as well. And it's very expensive Christian education but it's something to plan for and you'll never regret it because mm. um, it's not only for this life but for the world to come.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well said. So as parents who, who plan and work for success of their children, what, how can they ex- expect a successful outcome will look like um, in their children as they're growing
1: up, Harold? Well, a true Christian parent will not be happy until they see evidence of God's love and his laws in their life. Um, Jeremiah puts it this way. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. You know, God's law is then reflected in the characters of the children. Today, in our society, Christian teaching is diluted now uh, and it's minimized and it's important, more important for God's people to live above reproach and to live for him. You know, the wise man wrote this one. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches uh, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Amen. Mm. Thank you for that.
0: Now, let's move to the story of Joseph. He was another successful person in the Old Testament. And, uh, but he had a hard upbringing, didn't he? First of all, he was sold by his, his own brothers to Ishmaelite travelers, and they sold him to Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh of Egypt. Um, and it says in Genesis 39, verse 2, 39, verse 2, that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a, a successful man. Um, and verse 3, the, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, that's Joseph, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in um, Potiphar's household. And in verse, uh, yes. And so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. So what made, um, why was Joseph so successful, Gail?
2: a wonderful story, the story of Joseph and his life. And there's so many chapters in Genesis from 37 to 39 that talk about the life of Joseph. But obviously in his youth, on that way from his homeland, as uh, being taken as a slave to Egypt, he gave his heart to the Lord. Mm. And right then and there in that commitment that he made, I love how you've read out there that God was with him. God was with him. And the end of uh, chapter 39, it says, because the Lord was with him and whatever he did the lord made it prosper made him prosper so whether he was a slave whether he was in prison or whether was he was exalted to being the second in charge of egypt it was because of his relationship with god and his upright honest and trustworthy character he was a man of integrity
0: and, and that was that such a, a great role model for me you know to see that his faithfulness uh, to god was even though he was having a hard time i mean he decided mm. to stay faithful, so that's a, a great Amen. role model, isn't it, for us? Yes. And so, um, so how can we be as successful as Jacob, Joseph, and even Jesus, our Savior, mm. and more importantly, have a close relationship with God, so that we can be like them?
1: Paul's got the answer. First Corinthians, he reads, he re- writes. Therefore, whether you eat or drink. Or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And of course, if we're giving glory to God in Revelation, it says, fear God and give glory to him. There's work to do. And so if we put God first in our lives, then the one who has all knowledge and strength, he's the one who will make our lives succeed. That's true success. And we can have a close walk with God just like Joseph and did and Jacob.
0: Yes. Yes. And let us go to the book of Psalms with 150 psalms um, in the Bible. Does the psalmist give it any advice on how to be successful in life, Gail?
2: certainly does. And yes, in the opening chapter in Psalm chapter one, blessed is the man or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And verse three, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. So there's many you could turn to in the world to give you advice and uh, advice on your finances and things like that. But for overall advice, if we go to the word of God, because the Bible says the secret of true success is in the law of the Lord, which is his word.
0: Amen. And of course, moving on, the next book after the Psalms, the wise man Solomon had some good counsel for us, didn't he, on how to be successful, Harold?
1: Sure. Proverbs, this is vital. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Thank you.
0: Um, As an overview, let us look at seven important points on financial management that has been gleaned from the Bible. Um, Can you give us the first four points, Gail?
2: Yes, the first one is get organized. So develop a spending plan, which is very important. Without a simple plan for earning, spending and saving, life is much more stressful. And number two, spend less than you earn, which is very good <laughs> advice. Determine to live within your means. And um, many, plagues, many problem plagues will come if we don't do that. And then save a portion from every pay period because you never know when you're going to have miscarriage Fortune comes, so it's always good to put aside a little for something unexpected, and avoid debt like COVID wherever possible, <laughs> because interest is one expense you can live without. And, and, and so we've got rising people, interest rates. Some
0: people say avoid debt like the plague, don't yeah. they? Yes. Yeah, so that's a
1: very COVID's the plague. Very, yes.
0: <laughs> that's it. Can you give us the last three valuable points on financial
1: management gleaned from the Bible, Harold? sure number five be a diligent worker yeah the soul of the lazy man desires nothing proverb says but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich so work fast be diligent and and Put everything into it. And that's so mm-hmm. different. Like nowadays, we're, we're looking at modern
0: technology and computers to, to shorten our work life. But the Bible says that work is good
1: for us, isn't it? It is good and put it. You're all into it. Mm. And then the next one, here's one, be financially faithful with God, you know, no family can afford to live without God's blessing. And God promises blessings if we're faithful to him and we return our tithes. We give our thank offerings to him. He says, I will open the doors of heaven and bless you. Can you just expand a little bit on what a tithe is? Harold? A tithe is 10% of our earnings. And so that's what Jacob promised. And this is right through the Bible. God says, I own everything I'm giving to you as my steward. And so you can return 10 percent of it as tithe.
0: So when we give a tithe back to God, we are recognizing in our way that God owns everything in that offering.
1: And then the last point, remember that this earth is not our real home. Our management says a lot about where our ultimate priorities will be. You know, put God first. Are we looking to heaven? Is that our first thing in life or the material things? And so these aspects, putting God first always gives blessings beyond measure. Thank you for that. That's about all the time we have for today.
0: And we have looked at some characters like Jacob and Joseph. And another person is Jesus, who committed his way to God and, and coming back to the first text we looked at um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all things shall be added unto you. I uh, thank you. And so the foundation of true success is the recognition of God as owner, creator and sustainer of all things. We are his stewards. All that we have is a trust from Him, to be used according to His direction. We also must think beyond the brief years of this present life and make provision for eternity. We do this by following more closely God's plan of life in the Bible to do our best in the work that lies nearest, to commit our ways to God and to watch for the indications of His providence. These are rules that ensure safe guidance in the choices we make. We are glad you joined us today and Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs and teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.